Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. I've spent the last couple weeks um, in Ukraine, uh, which is far away from here. And right now it would be um, 6.14 p.m. there. And so I think my body's kind of adjusted back. But I want you to know that I, I've, I loved my trip there, but I missed being with you all. I really did. And um, I am thrilled to be with you this morning, and I'm thrilled to share God's word. Um, anytime you go away on a trip like that, um, you, you just have to share about it. You have to. And so we're going to share more about it in the next few weeks. But, but I just want to tell you a few really cool things that, that, that I've experienced on that trip. One of them is, is something that I've experienced on every trip that I've ever been on. I've been on, I think that was my eighth international mission trip. And every time I go on one of the, those trips, I experience the same thing. And that's that the last two Sundays, even though there was a time difference there, and even though I couldn't understand a word that they were saying because I don't speak Ukrainian or Russian, God showed up. And as we sang songs, they sang songs in another language, and, and, and some of the songs I knew the words so I could sing it in English, and some of them I had no clue what they were singing, but I experienced God's love and presence, and I was worshiping just like you were here, and I was worshiping with you, and I was worshiping with the people there, and that was really cool. And so it, it was an awesome trip. One of, the, one of the things that was kind of funny about it is um, I love getting up and speaking every week. I love preaching. But I'll be honest with you, I get a little bit nervous the week before I preach. So that's every week I get nervous. Like Sunday ends and I'm like, I'm done, I'm good, and then wait, now i got to work on next week. And the, the tension kind of builds through the week um, up to the weekend. And then about when I get up right about now is when I start to feel really good about it. And, and then it ends and the cycle starts over again. And so I actually was thinking, man, i got two weeks here. I'm going to go to Ukraine, and I've got kind of a break from that tension and that, uh, you know, that stress. And then a couple days before the trip, about five or six days before the trip, I got the email saying, hey, they want you to preach in Ukraine. And so there was a new kind of tension there and a new kind of stress. But man, it was awesome um, two weeks ago getting to share God's word um, with the church there in Kazatin. And it was, it was really cool to be halfway around the world but to be able to share God's word and to experience worship and, and to do that, that was one of the cool things of the trip that, that for a couple days I was like, oh man, I got to get something together for this week. But what an awesome experience. Another funny thing about the trip is that, that we kind of went thinking that it was going to be a pretty easy trip when it came to work. Uh, the, the materials had said we were going to just do some finishing up, we were going to do some landscaping, maybe putting hardware together and stuff like that, and we got there and it turned out we were doing a lot harder work than we thought we were going to, and so we were putting in floors and, and putting roofs on buildings, and it was, it, was a little bit, it was a little bit tricky, but it was awesome to be a part of something cool like that. Uh, I've never put a floor in anywhere, and I, I, my work is probably not great, but luckily I had a few people with me that were pretty good. And it was cool to be a part of God's work in that church there. But the, the coolest part of it, I think, for me, and, and I, I'm sure a couple others would share this, um, the same feeling, but the cool, coolest part of this trip for me was that the church that we visited there in Kazatin, Ukraine, they have a rehabilitation center. 
And they have a, so it's a house around the corner from the church, just a little bit down the road. You can walk to it easily. And in that house, they have about eight to ten guys that live there as they are, as they are getting um, clean, as they're getting away from the stuff that's held them in bondage and ruined their lives. And so for the, for the last couple weeks, we had the opportunity to spend a lot of our time with these guys living in the rehab center. We got to eat meals with them. They worked with us, and we got to build this bond with these guys, and that, that was so cool. One of the things I'll tell you, if you've never been on a mission trip, it's really cool to see different parts of the world, but the people you meet, you'll never forget them. And it was really cool to see the work that was happening in Kazatin, Ukraine. The truth is, in Ukraine, a lot of the churches have these rehab centers uh, as a part of their church. It's a ministry that, that they, they work through, and each church has one of these rehab centers, and, and there are these guys that come in and live there and are, are getting their life on track, and I think that's awesome. It's so cool. And that leads us into what we're talking about today. We're talking about the building blocks of who we are, our DNA. And today we're going to talk about something that's very key to our DNA. And that's that we are in the business of restoration. We are in the business of being a part of what God's doing in people's lives around the world. And just like those guys are living at that church and, and being poured into by that church, we, Westchester Nazarene, are in the business of restoration, of seeing people's lives changed to be more like Christ, seeing chains fall off, seeing bondage go away, and seeing people live in the freedom that God has to offer them. That's what we're talking about today. Before we jump into that too much, I, I want to rewind back to last week for those of you that weren't here. Um, one of the great things about being, going away for a couple weeks, and I'm about to do it again, um, is that we have great people that come up and fill in, and, and I can just trust that there's gonna, you're going to hear a good word, whether, whether you're going to hear a better word when I'm not here, let's just be honest. And so last week, Dale um, came up and, and he spoke about our value, and the core, the, the core value we had last week is that, that people are important, that every one of us is important, we are created in God's image, we are valuable, and that's a, good, that's a good one to lead us into today, which is the idea of restoration. And so I just want to start by reiterating what Dale said. I got to watch it this week. That's one of the great things about technology and being able to stream the services. I got to watch him speak and, and listen to it. And what he said was absolutely great and true, that every single one of you and every single person walking around the outside of this church and around the world are created in God's image and you are valuable. And so that leads us to today. I want to talk about something that, that I really love, something that I think is beautiful. We talk about us being created in the image of God and, and the value and the beauty that we have. I want to tell you something else that I find very beautiful and valuable I should say my wife, I love you, you are valuable and beautiful, but, but what I want to talk about is Corvettes. I really love Corvettes. I always have. When I turned 16, there was a guy around the corner from our house that was selling this beautiful white and red Corvette from the 60s, and it was in perfect shape, and I was like, Dad, that's a good car for me, right? And the answer was no, it's not. 
but I've always loved Corvettes. They're awesome. Some of my favorite Corvettes are those older ones, the 60s, the 70s, the early 80s. I mean, I just think that Corvettes are a beautiful car. I think they're, that God made them specially, specially for us to enjoy. I, I love Corvettes. But you know, um, down, if I go out the back way um, of my neighborhood and I go down the street, um, there's something that really saddens me. I drive by this one house, and it's got this old Corvette. It's got to be a mid to late 70s or early 80s model, and it's sitting there, and it's, it's just got a tarp over it year-round. And it's never driven, and it's never taken care of, and it's just sitting there kind of fading away. And I'm like, no, Corvettes are meant to be beautiful. Corvettes are meant to be, to be enjoyed, not to sit in the driveway and, and rust. No, I mean, Accords and, and all those other cars, no offense if you have an Accord, like those can go to the junkyard eventually, but Corvettes are meant to be forever, right? The other way, if I go out the other way to my house and I go across the street, did I just offend anyone that drives a Accord? Find me after and I'll apologize. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but, but if I go out the street the other way and I go across the street, if I go across Tylersville Road and I go down that road, there's a house on that side that has four Corvettes that are all in that 70s to early 80s range. And man, I see them and I'm like, man, you need someone to take those off your hands and fix them up and restore them. That's not what a Corvette's supposed to look like. Those, that, those things need driven. They need painted. Corvettes are made to be beautiful, right? That's who we are. We are made in God's image. We are made to be beautiful. But that's why today is so important, restoration that because I believe that, that God created us in, in his image, and I believe that we are valuable and that we are beautiful. But the truth is, just like Corvettes and houses and all other temporary things, over time, if, if we don't take care of them, if, if, if they experience difficult things, weather, all sorts of stuff, they can rust. They can start to look like something very different than what they were created to be. And the truth is, that's, that's us too. We were created in God's image and we were beautiful. We, each one of us was a beautiful creation. But if we're not careful, life, life can get in our way and mess us up. And we can start to see rust and we can, we can start to turn into something that we were not created to be. It's easy for us to lose the image of God. And so as Dale talked about last week, it is our job to see the value in others. It's our job to see others as created in God's image. It's our job to tell people that they matter. But I think we have another important job. Because I think just like I feel about Corvettes, that they shouldn't rust and they shouldn't rot, but they should be in great shape and they should be beautiful forever, I believe that's what God wants for us. It's not just, hey, you're a beautiful creation. You were beautiful at one point. It's God wants you to be beautiful right now. God wants to restore you to who you were created to be. Not to leave you rusted. Not to leave you broken. Not to leave you messed up but to make you whole and new and beautiful 
again. We are called to be a part of restoring people back to the image of God. Not just saying, hey, you're creating the image of God no matter how messed up you've gotten, but to see people and say, you're creating the image of God and I want to help you get back to being the beautiful creation that you are. I'll tell you what, if you offer me today, hey, do you want this old Corvette to fix it up? That's a privilege. I'll take it. I'll work on it. I would love to see one of those cars become new again. But you know what? If you bring someone to me and say, this is a child of God, and they don't look like they were created to look, what a privilege we have to be a part of God's restoring process in people's lives. It's better than Corvettes. I love Corvettes. There's some debate in my house whether at one point I said I would trade one of my kids for a nice car, and that is not true. Maybe. <laughs> it probably was a rough day. <laughs> but I believe that we are called to be a part of restoring people back to the image of God, and I don't think there's a greater calling in all the world, not fixing up old cars, not fixing up old houses, but restoring people to the image of God. One of the greatest things in our church, one of the greatest things in the church in general, one of the greatest things about our trip was to watch God working in the lives of those guys. One of the greatest things here is to watch God working in the people in our church and in our community and I believe that when people are restored, when we are a part of that process, we are, we are a part of God's divine work in this world. And so I've got, I've got something awesome for you this morning. We've got a testimony. And we're going to watch a video real quick because I want, I want you to understand that God is restoring right now. We are in the business of restoration and good news. God is doing it today right here in this church. And so let's watch this testimony. Hi, my name is Jessica Fruskis and this is my story. I am 31 years old. I am from Westchester, Ohio. I went to Lakota West High School and I graduated 2005. And after I graduated, I started hanging out with the wrong crowd of people. In 2009, I became pregnant. His name was Gage. He was born August 24, 2009. Seven weeks later, October 18, 2009, I came home and when I walked into the house, the father had fallen asleep with my son and suffocated him. My life took a drastic turn after that. My whole world was upside down. Everything I thought I knew and was, was gone. And I started heavily using drugs, methamphetamines. I started doing things I never thought I would do. A couple years went by, my father in 2012 was diagnosed with prostate cancer. He, we went into the hospital and 31 days later, we walked out and he was dead. At this time I was pregnant with my daughter and I was clean. But after I had her, March 2nd, 2013, I was so petrified of loving her and losing her 
that I pretty much abandoned her. I was so petrified of losing her that I just, I didn't know how to love her, so I didn't allow myself to get close to her. And thank God for my mother, because she took care of her. So I went back out and I started using again. I didn't know who I was or what I was doing. I didn't care about my life. I didn't care about living. I just wanted to die. One day I was at the pool and I ran into a man. He actually goes to this church. His name is Robert Corney. And he saw my tattoo on my shoulder, which is a picture of my son. And he asked me what it was and I told him and I told him a little bit about myself and he talked to me about Celebrate Recovery. And I was kind of hesitant and I was like, oh, whatever. I went along with the conversation and this man saw something in me that I could not see in myself. He tracked me down to my apartment and about a month later, I decided to give in. I was like, all right, I'm gonna try this. This man has faith in me when I couldn't have faith in myself. So I went ahead and I just decided to go. January 2017th was the day I walked in to Nazarene Church at Celebrate Recovery. I remember walking in and I was completely nervous. I sat down and Linda Romer, Joyce Smith, and Pamela Prather were sitting there. And I was listening to their stories. And I remember looking at Pam, who had also lost a child. And she, she has so much love for the Lord. You could see that she was in so much pain, but she had so much peace because she had so much faith that her son was where he was supposed to be. And I knew at that very moment in my life that I was exactly where I was supposed to be that everything I had been through had been for that very moment in my life. And so I decided to keep coming back to Celebrate Recovery, and I decided to become a member of the church. I am involved in God's threats, and I have been involved in many of the other activities in the church, and I am forever grateful for this church. Jessica, I just want to say that you were created in God's image. And I'm so glad that we get to be a part of your restoration process. And so thank you for being willing to share. We'll make that available um, to you at some point so you can watch it all the way through. But what a beautiful story about the fact that God doesn't want us to just stay in a place of, of pain and, and brokenness and being messed up, but God wants to bring restoration, to bring us back to who we're, we were created to be. And that's what this is all about. There is nothing more that honors, honors God more than seeing God work through our people in transforming lives. There's nothing you can do to honor God more than to love God by loving others and pouring yourself into others to be a part of God's restoration. I was talking about Jesus. When, when you think of Jesus, what do you think of? You probably don't think of rules. 
You probably don't think of, of just cool things. You may think of miracles, but when you think of Jesus, probably more than anything else, you think of love. You think of a man that came to earth, God, to sacrifice everything for us. And so if we're going to be Christ-like, if we are going to be like Jesus, the greatest way we can be like Jesus is by being a part of loving and restoring others. Jesus showed his love through love for others. This is made clear in, in God's word in Paul's letter to the Galatians. We're going to look at Galatians 6 today. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 5. But in, in chapter 5, Paul talks about freedom that we have in the spirit. And it starts by him talking about God's work of restoration in our lives. And so chapter 5 starts by saying it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. God offers us freedom through Christ. We, we talk about old Corvettes. We talk about people who were created in God's image that, that don't look like what they were supposed to look like, what they were created to look like. God has offered us freedom and life so that we could be made new. And it says, stand firm then and don't fall back into the burden and the yoke of slavery. Selfishness will always lead us to be enslaved. Living for ourselves, being focused on ourselves, trading the love of God for, for the things of this world earth will always lead us to being lost and turning into something that we were not created to be. We were created for freedom, for life. And I love seeing God's life lived out in each of you as you are being Restored. Chapter 5 as a whole is a calling to live in the restoration and freedom that God has. Paul knew this well. Paul came from a life of a lot of trouble. He didn't look like what God created him to be. His name was Saul, and all of a sudden God came and transformed him and gave him life. And so he's writing this as somebody who's experienced it. And he goes on in verse 13. And he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Paul is pointing out something very important that we've been talking about. That we were not created for selfishness. We were created for freedom and love and life. We were created to look like Christ. And if we're about ourselves, we're going to end up messed up and rusted and old and looking like something that maybe at one time was beautiful but isn't so beautiful anymore. But God's plan is to bring restoration into our lives and to make us again who we were created to be that we would bear God's image. The good news is this. There may be some of you that, that life has really knocked you down. There may be some of you that, that life has, has really changed things. Maybe, maybe life's caught up with you. Maybe it's choices you've made. Maybe it's choices other people have made. Maybe it's just things that you've experienced that have caused you to just get off track and not 
not be the beautiful person that God created you to be. I've got good news. God has a better way. God has life. God has freedom. And it's not God's will that we stay burdened and enslaved. It's God's will that we have life to the fullest. One of the wonderful things about the church there in Ukraine is that Ukraine is, is somewhat of a depressed area. But when you walked into that church, man, you felt life. You felt love. You felt God's presence. And that's what we are called to be here. Good news is... God has more for us, but it's not just good news. It's a calling. Because just like God offers us freedom, just like God restores us, God wants us to restore others. So Galatians 6, verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, <coughs> if somebody is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something they are, when they are not, they deceive themselves. But each one should test their own actions. They can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own burden. Now this is some confusing stuff. I'm just going to say up front. This, these verses are a little bit confusing when you read them together, but I, I want to talk through them. We are not restored just to sit around. Chapter 5 is all about God's restoring work in us, giving us life. It says, but don't use that life and that freedom to indulge in yourself. Use it to pour yourself out to others. And so in chapter 6, chapter 5 is, is God's re restoration of you. Chapter 6 is your calling to be a part of God's restoration for others. And so it says in chapter 6... If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. We were not restored to sit around the church and high-five each other and be comfortable and, 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 and give each other thumbs up and say, hey, we're all good. God's restoring work in your life is not about you just living a, a more comfortable life. It's about you being a part of God's kingdom and God's work. And God wants us, God calls us to step into that act of restoration and to pass that on to others. And so it says if, if, you, are if you see someone caught, restore them gently. In one of the commentaries it said to be free in the spirit does not mean freedom from responsibility, but rather freedom to serve and become a good Samaritan, seeking to restore the cripple to health and strength again. Chapter 5 is, hey, good news, there's a better way. Chapter 6 is, now help others experience the restoration that God has for them. Let's look into the text a little bit more. The first thing says, if someone is caught in sin, this language is very important. If someone is caught in sin, because see, we have a tendency, when we see people that are struggling or hurting or different than us, we have a tendency to look at them and think that they are the problem, that they are evil or they are messed up. But this language is important. It says, if someone is caught in sin, if someone is stuck, the, the word here means that they've been overtaken by something. When we look at others that don't look like the image of God that they were created for, 
It doesn't mean that they're evil people. It means they've been caught up in something. They've been overtaken by something that has transformed them into something they're not supposed to be. And so it says if you see someone that's caught, restore them. We met with the the guys at the rehab center every night, and we ate meals together, and we worked with them. But in the evenings, we heard testimonies from them. And it was amazing to me, um, probably not super surprising for me, but it kind of caught me. Like one of those things that caught me, it was amazing to me that every time we would, one of us would give a testimony from the team, and then one of the guys from the rehab center would give a testimony. And one of the things I noticed every time was that all of our testimonies started like this. I grew up in a great home. <laughs> I had great parents. They loved me. I knew God at an early age. Every one of their testimonies started like this. I grew up poor and struggling, and I was abandoned, and I was hurt. And I realized there, and this isn't something new, but the truth of the matter is, it's not that those guys are evil or messed up. That's not why they're in the position they're in. They're there because at some point, something led them to get caught in a sinful act, in something that they weren't designed for. And so our tendency sometimes is to look at others that are different or or others that seem messed up and to think they're wrong, but the truth is they're not. They're God's children, and they've just gotten caught or overtaken by something that they shouldn't have. And so we have to stop seeing others for their failures And we have to start seeing others as God's children. And we have to, I'll add to that, we have to start seeing others as as people that God wants to restore. That's, That's what we're called to. It doesn't say if you see someone you like that's that's struggling. It doesn't say if you see someone that's just like you that's struggling. It says if you see someone who's struggling, our calling as a church, our calling as followers of Christ is that if we see others that are caught in sin, if we see others whose lives have been off track, we are called to be agents of restoration. We are called to restore others, to help God restore others. We have an obligation to be a catalyst of restoration in others' lives. So so the question is, who needs to be restored? Anybody that's caught and sin. Who does the restoration? Those who live by the Spirit. So if you consider yourself a follower of Christ, somebody who has been restored, you are called to restore anybody who's caught. And how do we do it? Gently, with love. It says, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Let me tell you what that looks like. That looks like Robert Corney seeing a girl at the pool and loving that person, and going out of his way to pour himself into that person. That looks like the women that were mentioned, um, that, that were in Celebrate Recovery Joy, and Pam and Linda, who took the time to invest in somebody. That's what restoring somebody gently looks like. It's loving somebody or caring for somebody so much that you want better for them. It's not an obligation It's not, I have to do this because God said, it's loving people. That's what restoring someone gently looks like. My favorite part of the whole trip, it was a good trip. 
My favorite part was that there was a guy, his name was Oleg, and I got along really well with Oleg because he played ping pong. And early in the week, we figured out that we, we couldn't talk to each other very well, but we figured out that we both liked ping pong. And so one day, he set up a ping pong table, and we played, and it was really fun. But Oleg was just, I mean, there were all these guys, and they were great guys, but Oleg was a little bit different because every time I'd be working and we'd, we'd lock eyes, he would look over and he'd say, you good? There was just something different about him. And he was in the process. He told us that he, he had been there for four months and he had two months left. And then he was going to go back to Kiev where his family was. And, and he was going to be restored. But one of my favorite parts of this trip was what I saw one of us do. One of the guys on the trip really took a liking to Oleg and really spent time working with him. And he knew that he was on that process to recover, and he knew that in two months he was going to be going back to Kiev. And so I watched as one of the guys from our group, from our church, went to Oleg and said, where are you going to go to church when you get back to Kiev? And, and there was that language barrier, so he went to the DS from, Kiev, from that area, and he said, hey, we've got this guy, and we we got to keep restoring him. And then he went to pastors, and he said, hey, in two months, this guy's coming back to Kiev, and he needs people to pour into him. And I saw a guy that on a mission trip met another person that was in the process of restoration and cared so much about him that he was going to make sure that even if we never see that guy again, He's going to be restored to who he was created to be. That's restoring somebody gently. That's what we are called to. We are called to love others and to pour ourselves into others. And so thank you, Robert. Thank you, ladies from Celebrate Recovery. Thank you to all of you that take time and take energy to pour into others. And so we've got to be a part of restoration. But the truth is, the glamorous side is when we see the testimony of what God has done. But to get to that glamorous testimony, to get to the point where we see the work that God has done, it takes some work. It takes some difficult things from us. It says there, watch yourselves or else you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The truth is, in order to be a part of the act of restoration in others' lives, we have to sacrifice something. We have to give something. We have to invest in somebody. And so it says, watch yourselves that you might not be tempted. The truth is, when we're working to restore others, when we're pouring ourselves into others, that takes our energy. And it is so important that we watch ourselves and that we make sure that we are, we are where we need to be with God, that we stay alive by the Spirit so that we can pour into others. And it says, watch yourself, that, that you wouldn't be tempted. The truth is, none of us even if we've been restored, are immune to being caught in sin. And so we are called to jump in and pour ourselves into others, and that means we're going to have to work hard to make sure that we are Christ-like in everything we do, and it means we have to make sure that we're not going to fall into, a, into trouble ourselves. We will not be effective in restoring others if we are not first effective and maintaining life 
in the Spirit. And so this act of restoration is an act that takes work, it takes focus, it takes energy. But we are called to pour into others. It says carry each other's burdens. This goes back to chapter 5. You're not free just so you can indulge in yourself. You're free so that you can pour yourself out to others. It says carry each other's burdens. I don't know about you, but carrying each other's burdens is difficult. (coughs) It's not fun to carry burdens. It's not easy to carry burdens. One of the things we did was we carried bags of cement over there, and it's not easy to carry stuff. And, and what, this is, what, what restoration is all about is investing in someone else and taking them and carrying them along. And that's not easy. And so we are called to sacrifice. We are called to this difficult, messy, hard work of being a part of what God is doing in others' lives. Here's the good news. We have an example that was set for us. Jesus came to earth so that we could be restored. Jesus came to this earth even when we didn't look like what we were supposed to be, even when we were messed up, even when we were all sinners and caught up and we were a mess. And Jesus came and he poured out everything he had and he gave his life so that we could be restored. And he set the example for us to be agents of restoration for others. So I've got a few questions for you today. Number one, how are you using the freedom that you have in Christ? Are you using it just to be comfortable and just to, just to come in and, and sit in the nice chairs? And Are you using it just to feel good about where you're at? How are you using your freedom in Christ? Number two, are you actively pursuing restoration for others? Is there anybody in your life that you are actively pursuing restoration for them? Number three, who around you is caught? Who around you is, is in that place where they're lost and that they're not who they were created to be and they're just caught up and, and they can't get it figured out? Who around you is in that spot? It might be somebody at the pool. It might be somebody at work. It might be somebody in your own family. Who around you needs restoration? And number four, how can you be an instrument of restoration to the world around you. How can you do it? And so we talked about, this is hard stuff, but Jesus set the example. One of my favorite quotes that I saw was this. It says, forgiving and restoring a fractured soul is not easy, either for the one forgiving or the one forgiven. When our own forgiveness cost God a cross, need we expect ease and tranquility in our following of Christ? See, it's easy for us to sit here and say, man, I don't know. It's hard work to pour myself into someone else. It's hard work to restore someone else. But Jesus set the example, and Jesus gave everything for us. And so if we are going to be Christ-like, if we are going to be the church that God wants us to be, if we are going to be God's chosen people, we have to follow Jesus' example and pour ourselves out for others. And so 
we're going to finish this service by responding, and, and we're going to finish this service by doing something. The band's going to come up now, and, and, and every month we take communion, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to remember what Jesus did for us, to remember that we have been made free through Jesus' act of restoration on the cross. But you know what else communion is? Communion is training. Communion is a calling for us to understand that the freedom that we have is a calling to give freedom to others. And so as we celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, as we remember the love that Jesus poured out on the cross for us, we are called to follow that example and pour ourselves out for others, to give everything we have to see others restored to the image of God. Father, we love you this morning. And I thank you um, for the testimony that we saw. And I thank you for what you're doing in this church. And I thank you for what you're doing in Ukraine. And I thank you for what you're doing around the world. You're, you're restoring people every day. But I pray, Lord, that you would transform us and that you would give us a passion and a desire to see others restored to you. And so, Lord, as we, as we get these elements, as, as we take the, the bread and the juice, and as we remember the price that you paid for us, I pray, Lord, that you would call us to follow your example and to pour ourselves out for others. We love you, Jesus. Amen.